covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Kyleman and Jim Bernier. Welcome in, fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Kyleman in here hosting, as always, to kick things off for our latest episode of NAL Game Day, Week 8 edition in the National Arena League. As we mentioned on, of course, our rebound episode from previous week, which if you need to catch up, I'd recommend doing that real quick. We got three exciting contests coming up. Um... One in, one for a particular uh, player owner jumping on. One that is having plenty of implications to start off in terms of the top of the pecking order and much, much more as we see more in the jungle with the West Texas Warbirds coming out to Orlando. We'll dive into all this, of course, shortly. Give you polls, give you our picks, everything you name it in our usual game day. But first, got to bring in, of course, my co-host and my good friend of mine on this show, uh, the graphics man himself, the producer himself. I, I can give him so many titles. The Adam Schefter of the NAL. I'm going to keep on hitting that one home, too. It is Jim Renier. Jim, welcome aboard. Week 8 is here. Mm-hmm. Week 8 has plenty of fun storylines that we are going to be talking about today. How are you feeling about those right now? What were initial thoughts for Week 8? Uh, juicy games really okay no yeah. uh, ju- uh, uh uh what i think in the initial thoughts of week eight week eight uh we have a player owner uh making an appearance as antonio brown's made it official he will play against the faithful mustangs we have a crucial game in orlando between the warbirds and predators two revamped teams from their additions and also we get the showdown in at San Antonio, where the number one ranked offense, Jacksonville Sharks, are taking on the number two ranked offense in the San Antonio Gunslingers. So we got a explosive offensive affair that could happen in the Freeman Coliseum. Also, observation, the Orlando Predators and the San Antonio Gunslingers finally have home games. It's been a long time since week yeah. one. They're finally home, and they have some lengthy home stands ahead of them. Uh, so crucial game so far. We got the one that's going to get most of the media attention up in Albany, but we have a pivotal game in Orlando that could potentially be a, a different reason for one of these teams to be a four seed. And okay, and of course, Sharks and Gunslingers, the pivotal battle that could determine who the one seed is, and a crucial tiebreaker game for both of these teams. So interesting week eight. For perspective on, by the way, the. Uh, road trips for both Orlando and San Antonio. They haven't played since week one, which was April 8th. That has been pushing towards two months away from home, and they will finally get to welcome back in home fans once again uh, to their respective areas, of course. So uh, glad to see that we'll get some home games there as well. Uh, Important games ahead of us, of course, like you said, um, and we'll dive into all three, of course. And yes, we will talk about Antonio Brown playing who knows how long or a full game. We're not sure. We're going to debate that in that in that contest here. So uh, give us some time. We will jump into it, of course. But right now, as we always do with NAL Game Day, uh, since we have been kicking things off, we've got some polls to discuss 
to kick things off for the show with week eight rankings, which by the way, if you do want to catch any of these poll, any of the media polls we drop or help create for the league, uh, Jim does a wonderful job with these. Uh, recommend you cho- check out our social pages at, at InWallsPod when we drop those. Uh, the NAL also drops those polls too, but you should also check out our socials at InWallsPod for any episode drops, any news breaks that we bring up, and also, you know, to follow us to our YouTube page, to subscribe to us, and, you know, click that bell, builds morale, as uh, my other show says, um, too. You got to feel good. And we've been doing a good job getting some new followers in here that are checking out some official National Arena League coverage right here on Inside the Walls. Anyway, week eight ranks. Let's take a look at this bad boy here, uh, bringing up the NAL coaches poll. So, uh, honestly, not too much changing from last week. Honestly, it's, it, I'm pretty sure it's the same poll from last week, just on a glance, still got, and I'll, I'll make sure for audio listeners that I'm not like last week and botched reading off the lineup, but here we go. Uh, top to bottom, San Antonio still kicking off the top Carolina reaffirming their spot at number two, Jacksonville, definitely keeping their, their spot at number three Fable sticking at four though. Of course we had some questions about them last week that we had, that we saw that made it a little murky and then Orlando, West Texas and Albany all staying in their respective five, six and seven spots. Uh, West Texas giving a good fight, of course, but not moving up because, well, didn't get a loss. Orlando on a bye. Albany also taking a pretty bad loss against Jacksonville. Keeps them at the bottom of the pecking order. Not too shocked at NAL coaches. And uh, to be honest, (laughs) I think a lot of us were all in line with thinking of these rankings because the media poll that we vote in had the same exact order. Although, of course, we put in a little bit extra with the point system we got here that kind of reflects, say, like college voting for media polls. Um, fascinating thing. Uh, last week's poll, we did have 10 first place votes for San Antonio. We did this week have one person vote for Jacksonville. And to, to help my partner, it wasn't my partner. <laughs> that voted for Jacksonville. So we'll leave that one not we'll leave that one anonymous. But again, order same deal as the coaches poll. Gunslingers, Cobras, Sharks, Mustangs, Predators, Warbirds, Empire from top to bottom. Same order. a um, little bit different though in terms of some of the points. But I think like, the only fascinating part of that, like I said, is that we did have someone uh change their opinion on the first place, which uh not to be shy. I, I'll be honest with you, Jim, if we can discuss this further, I can see why with Jacksonville's offense, why Maybe someone does have to say, hey, wait a minute now, they're three and two. But, you know, if you catch someone on a bad day, it's going to be hard to catch them on a bad day at the same time and expect to slow them down for like, I don't know, 50 points. And that seems even too high <laughs> for even some losses. So, uh, yeah, they have, I mean, let me let me double check something, too, before I get your response, because now I'm curious just to confirm. Uh, yes, they have not scored below 50 all year. Um which that is saying something. I mean, they've, they have had two 70 point performances this year as well. So uh, very efficient offense, no matter who's behind center right now. And, and the individual who picked um, Jacksonville might be judging this based on Jacksonville's like offensive explosion is. And if you look at the standings, they are plus 91 point differential. Uh, two of the games they did lose were by one point. They were, of course, to San Antonio and the Carolina Cobras, not Carolina Cobras, uh, the Orlando Predators, but their wins are very lopsided. They When they win, they win big. Uh, and, of course, I don't know how he thought why Jacksonville should get the first pl- one of the first place votes. 
Um, but if you look over the body of work of just last weekend alone, Jacksonville did look the, like the far better team last weekend uh, compared to who they were playing. Uh, San, uh, San Antonio was in a slugfest with West Texas, while Jacksonville basically had a little back and forth with Albany early before they put the, before they put Albany to bed early in the second half. But again, that's just the difference is that one first place vote. Everything else, the rankings are still the same from last week. Uh, the league is we can I can say personally that we're starting to see some separation of the top three from the rest of the league. And now I'm thinking right now, if I'm looking for the rest of the league right now, it's the battle between Mustangs, Predators, and Warbirds on who wants to be that four seed. Um, unless Albany does a complete 180 from last couple of weeks narrative uh, to be contention. Right now, I think it's a three-team race for the four seed and a three-team race for the one seed um, in the NL as of week eight. It's going to be harder to, I think, you're talking Albany in terms of trying to turn it around, but it, there is some separation. I think voting for us, if you were watching right now, you saw um, votes are definitely starting to become a little more split once you get past Jacksonville. And again, Fayetteville, I mean, we talked at length last week. It kind of comes down to some personnel decisions, I think, and just cleaning up some sloppiness. And maybe that's a few games are different. But, you know, right now that there is a gap between the three and the four yeah. at this time that's starting to kind of form at least how we feel yeah. the talent level or at least the performance level drops because not no offense to Fayetteville, they do have the talent. But the performance level absolutely takes a dip once you get past Jacksonville. Uh, at this time and hey Orlando can change I'm with you you know West Texas they've added additions they can change um we'll find out starting this week of course um as of course Orlando and West Texas do face off so yeah. you know we'll see pretty soon who wants it a little bit more <laughs> and well, who's also, ready a little yeah, bit more true <laughs> also this is a big time week uh, for San Antonio or the next couple of weeks is because you get a chance to have your rematches against both Jacksonville and Carolina, two teams that you won on the last play. That will tell me a lot about San Antonio. Now this week's game, San Antonio's our first home game, military appreciation. It's pretty loud, pretty crazy going to be down there. Um, trust me. Uh, they, the guys know they're focused. You listen to coach Shaw on his radio show or other podcasts he's been on. Uh, they're very solid core. Jacksonville is a dang good team. Jacksonville has a team, like I said, on rebound. They have a championship caliber team. San Antonio has a championship caliber team, and Carolina has a championship caliber team. Um, but, again, this week, week eight, this matchup is pivotal because Jacksonville, if they win, and they only win by two points, they have the tiebreaker over San Antonio because – the tiebreaker is head-to-head, -head, and after head-to-head, -head, it's point differential against each other. And that one-point win, even though it was a good win by San Antonio and Jacksonville, they have to win to sweep, of course. A nice little broom will happen if they win. But if Jacksonville wins, they only have to – Jacksonville has to win by two points, and they get the, the tiebreaker, and that could be crucial at the end of the year. Then two weeks later – I think two weeks they play Carolina, San Antonio, in Carolina – so there's another pivotal matchup of a, a Carolina team that they're off this week. They're four and one. They have played excellent football the last couple of weeks. They have shown they've started flexing their muscles on offense. They're a solid team. 
as well, so you can't count them out. Um, but, yes, this is a big week um, in the arena football for us, the National Arena League. And it's nice that we have a big-time game in San Antonio uh, for a home game that a team has been away from their home building for seven weeks. So it's a lot of hype going into it. So I, I expect the San Antonio fans who are listening to this, go grab a buddy, go grab some friends, go grab some random military people and bring them to the game. Pack that building out because this is going to be an excellent game in the Freeman Coliseum um, this Sunday, not Saturday, this Sunday. It's the only game on Sunday. So mm-hmm. remember that this Sunday, Memorial Day weekend. So what the heck are they doing too? Uh, most people have four-day weekends. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you'll get a little time off. So, yeah, two two Saturday games, one Sunday. Um, a lot of military appreciation nights going on across all three venues. We saw with Albany they're doing a similar deal as well. Orlando, I have no doubt, knowing, you know, Starling and Cheney's organization, they already have some stuff planned for – there's as well. And it looks like good crowds compared to last check in sales for both. Now, I mean, two of the teams have been gone for well over a month to month and a half now. So I'm not, I'm expecting no, no less than a decent crowd for both. I mean, Orlando, remember their home opener, <laughs> well over 7,000 for that. So, you know, plenty of time away. I imagine they're going to come out and be having a rowdy time as well. Gunslinger should be good. And uh, Albany right now looking like two, that you know we've seen a lot of free ticket giveaways you know getting some new people out uh free military and uh emc uh entry as well so if you're working emergency response you or if you are military or veteran you are also free to enter the mvp arena for this weekend's matchup uh, according to the empire social media so keep that in mind if you're looking for something to do for memorial day weekend in the capital region you got a great opportunity to check out some arena football you know see what it's all about especially if you're first time or if you want to get reintroduced to the game too, keep that in mind. So good opportunities all around, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, end end discussion on the polls, just, it is going to be continuing. We'll start seeing that kind of spread a little more. Um, I mean, this week, obviously we got two of the top teams in the league playing each other. So we'll get a first glance at how that how this matchup and how this tiebreaker could start to form. Um, Fayetteville, you know, it's Albany. They do have once again, some changeover different. They do bring back rolling rivers and have new pieces, but still got to play your best. And we're still curious as who's going to be behind center. So that dictates things. And I'm definitely, as much as I love the gunslinger sharks matchup, I do want to see what Orlando does with another week and what West Texas can do. Now they don't even have Daniel Smith. They released him. It's Mitch kid's team, which I like Mitch kid. Videos I've seen of Mitch Kidd, from what I've watched of him, I wonder what he can do. Should be a kind of unique, I think, a dark horse game of the week that you'll want to watch. Definitely keep an eye on that one over in the jungle is what I'm going to be telling you. But we're not going to talk about that one first. Let's get into the games while we're at it. Um, we'll actually head on over to the Capital Region. And let's get it out of the way, people. We knew you, you, If you're tuning in, you knew we were going to talk about it. It's Fayetteville heading to Albany. The news all week, and that's been talked about now for well over a week, actually, is will owner, well, owner, I I will put that just to be safe, will owner Antonio Brown play? And he did show up for practice on Thursday. He did show up in gear. Yes, I know you're smiling right now. It was a route. 
He still showed up. I'll give him that. Um, he's going to be there. I think the main thing, I just want to get this out of the way because why not? And then we can talk a little more in detail. Uh, unless you think this is the case over under how many series or plays will be, let's be safer. How many plays does the, does Antonio Brown actually participate in, in this game? And, and, and you know what, if he comes out and plays the whole game, I'll shut up and we'll talk next show. But I think the general consensus right now is a lot of people are assuming that this is more of a, he comes out for a few shows that he can play, but then let's, you know, let's coach Purcelli and coach Bennett do their thing to try and get a win. So let's, let's make this interactive and fun. So our listeners on our podcast platform, you may not have a chance to do this, but you're on YouTube right now. You're, I know you're on your YouTube chat. It's going to be about 11, 12, maybe 15 people watching. Um, let me, let us know in this, uh, in the chat right now, what you think I'm setting it at over under, Six and a half plays, meaning could be one whole possession, maybe two possessions if they're quick scores. Uh, what's our listeners? Let us know. But I'm setting at six and a half, and I think it's under six and a half. Mm. Um, because I think, yeah, a- Antonio Brown is one of the best receivers to ever play the game in the National Football League. Uh, he did run one route today in practice. Um, I don't know how game ready he is, but he is a type of guy who's been trying to get to the big three letter league in the national football league. So there could be things where he can go out there, play one or two possessions, but also there could be a, a scenario where he doesn't want to play too many plays. Cause if he's had a, if he's having a bad game, that might ruin his chances of getting onto an NFL roster. Yes. That is, so, that is, uh, so, that is so, not that is not crazy to think about. No, and I also want to like compare this to your favorite college football teams. Like, yes, you blew out a team. Let's say Ohio State played. Let's throw a team, a Youngtown State or some small school. You won't even say anything if it was a seventy-two to ten game by Ohio State. It's oh, Ohio State should do that. It should blow them out. But if that game is a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. You have some issues. That's I'm seeing right there about Antonio Brown in this game. Does it will it get publicity for the league? Yes, it will. ESPN might be there. It might be crazy. There might be over five thousand people watching the game on YouTube. I know me and Zach will. But yep. if he has a good showing and gets maybe two touchdowns, he calls it a day. That's good. But if he goes out there and plays and looks, you know, overlooks the 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 athletes on the field and goes out there and does a dud, then he's hurting his chances to get back in the NFL if he wants to go back in the NFL. So that's where I get the comparison about Ohio State. You take care of an opponent, no one really cares about you. You should. But if you struggle, that opponent gets a bigger name. Do you want Fayville to shine even more? That could be a, there could be a path that, that can happen. But the over-under said it's six and a half. To the fans who are watching us, let us know what you guys think. Um, even tweet at us. We, we we like your interactions. And remember, like, subscribe, click the bell, Bill's morale. But, yeah, um, this is that's the intriguing thing about this game is Antonio Brown. But one of the stories I want to talk about this game, who's starting at quarterback for Fayetteville? 
Cato? Well, that that's a bigger one, I think, than A.B., because I'm with you on the fact that at max, I think he plays a series. Yeah. And I, I, then we'll see where that goes. You know? I might say this might be something. I know Albany fans have been through it for a couple of weeks, but Fayetteville is the better team. They have the better roster right now. They're the healthiest roster right now compared to Albany. But is Cato starting? Is James Summers playing? Because Roland Rivers, when he did play in that one game against West Texas, looked pretty solid for a guy who had no experience in the arena game. He was clicking in the second half, so I do wonder if another game under his belt will help. Got to fully assume they're doing the shotgun again. I I have no confidence that they'll have him under center, given Ben Bennett let him do that last time. And Fabian looks like the Fabian that we remember back from the old AFL day. He was solid in Jacksonville. He wasn't the reason. Um, But we look at Fabville, and honestly, I I did this, ladies and gentlemen. Let me pop this up. It's some interesting stats. Um, Oh. Wrong game. That's West Texas. <laughs> Here we go. There we go. Uh, Fayetteville averages 46.4 points a game. Albany averages 48.3, which is odd, even though the record is a little different. But now, that, look, now that one all bit skewed because of the, the, the earlier yes. contest in the year. Um, <laughs> Albany averages uh, yards per uh, – it uh, should be yards per game, uh, 473 yards uh, – four, 473.8, which is fourth best in the NAL. But they're, but Fayetteville has the number one ranked defense in the NEL based on yardage at four four two two point four. So you have an average offense taking on one of the better defenses. We've seen Fayetteville have some great defensive games. They did in Orlando. They did it against San Antonio a couple of weeks ago. They slowed down San Antonio. The problem is their offense couldn't score against San Antonio. San Antonio's defense was doing just as good as shutting down Fayetteville. Um, but if this is overall stats. You know, Fayetteville's two and three, Albany's one and four. And for the people who are listening on podcast, um, podcast platforms, uh, Fayetteville averages 46.4 points a game, uh, 414 yards of offense. They give up 400 or they give up 422. Yes, even though it's more yards than their offense, it's also the least half every team in the league. So um, <laughs> they give up more yards on defense, but they're the best defense in the league by yards wise. Um, the Albany is entering this game in this contest, uh, averaging 48.3 points a game, uh, 473.8 yards a game, which is fourth in the league. And they allow 535 yards a game, which is seventh in the league. And they come in this contest at one and four, and they are one and one at home. And they're on their longest losing streak in franchise history of four games. Um, for the Albany. So it's an intriguing game. Those are the numbers inside the numbers. Um, again, Albany still has a lot of question marks in this game. We know Roland Rivers. We we, we saw him enter last against um, West Texas. We know Fabian Guerra. You have Young. You have some guys on that team that are Daquan Patton. There's another guy. that mm-hmm. They have some weapons there. Now for Albany, is consistency. Like we mentioned on rebound. The fans want a consistent, like just a consistent team. Um, but Albany has some issues. Now in Fayetteville, they got the weapons. The question is, who's starting at quarterback? If Cato is starting at quarterback, I see Fayetteville handling this game because they're a more experienced team. They have more of the weapons on offense. And their defense is pretty solid. That could keep them in the game. Uh, if James Summers is the QB, I think it's going to be a very tight game. It could be back and forth type of actions, but that's still the major question is who's starting a quarterback for the Fayetteville Mustangs. 
I think if if Summers plays, it muddies how this one goes. I actually think it. I actually have an opinion that it will turn into what Albany was against West Texas a few weeks back, where it's just going to be kind of who who makes enough opportunities to score mm-hmm. is what it, what it'll be. I, I don't have a problem with James with James Summers. I think he's a very talented individual. I just as we talked on rebound, if Rakeem Cato is healthy. And it isn't something that went way beyond team protocol or anything of that like. You play Rakeem Cato. That, that, that's, the, that's how it should be. He, he's clearly the number one quarterback on that roster. With, with him in, Albany has much more of a heavy task of being able to compete because we know Cato can keep up with the, any other offense in this league. It's just that they sometimes tend to have one or two slip-ups, a drive doesn't finish, uh, an untimely fumble, you know, that keeps them from being in the top echelon of of rosters right now. So that's what I'm looking for. I mean, I think that's the biggest question of the game that really is deciding factor because defensively, Mustangs do have the, the components to slow down Albany, and Albany's also still adjusting, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, this t- this time around, it wasn't like that they got the entire roster stripped when they had to change out head coaches and everything. They still have Ben Bennett, so you know Bennett still can come in. Even with Porcelli coming in, his off a few days, Ben is there to guide the ship. In my opinion, as the guy that's going to be kind of that preliminary coach behind the scenes type of coach because he's done it before. So you're going to lean on him a lot. He already has the offense there. He's going to get a quarterback that has two weeks. That's fine. Still newish guys. Mm-hmm. That's the whole deal. And again, the whole A-B situation of how much is he playing? How much does it disrupt if it does? Is it, does it help? You know, like I said, if he comes in, he comes out and is like a Darius Prince, catches a TD off a long bomb and scores a touchdown, everyone's going to lose their mind. They'll be like, all right, cool. They, they got a touchdown. But then, you know, you see how long that goes. But uh, QB battle, that's, a, that's really the best takeaway I, that, that you brought up. And I think the one that everyone should be paying attention is come beginning of stream, if we see uh, number 12 out on the field, then we know. We see number 11? Eh, might want to hit pause and we'll uh, be in for, I think, a more defensive affair. But also, if AB does play, or if not, if he is playing from, and it depends on how long he's playing, you know that's going to motivate a lot of the Fayetteville guys. Including, oh, sure. Well, it's, a, try- it's, a, it's a highly, a highly, nah, how do I put it? Um, Media dog. He's a polarizing figure. There you go. Polarizing figure in the media that is a team owner on a turf field. That doesn't scream target on your back if I have uh, ever heard it. And also, I guarantee there could be people from NFL organizations watching this game. And one of these guys, like a Kendrick Gaines, may go off. Or a a, uh, James Summers may go off. What Tevin Homer? I yep. can name them all. Um, and one guy we had him on the show a couple of days weeks ago. Trey Long even mentioned it. Like, oh, he he's playing when we're going up there, and he had a little grin on his face. You know, he's ready. Um, I think honestly, me personally, publicity, drama, everything off the field can be. It can be. Uh, what is it, you know, twist and turn to different narratives for different individuals. So if you lean one way, they'll blame you for, you know, 
being a homer or being, you know, you know, not just being homer, you're being homer, you're, you're being biased. Uh, you can't see the true colors. And if you go the other way, uh, you think uh, you go the other way and go, well, you're the reason why the sport doesn't exist. Like that's all off the field stuff. When the, when the whistle was blown, toe hits leather, it's football. And the better football team will win the game. That's it. doesn't matter if you play six possessions or five possessions or eight possessions or five plays or one play or two plays. If that one play results in a touchdown that helps Albany win, the headline will say in the newspaper, AB leads Empire to victory, even though it may be just that one touchdown. It's polarizing, depending on what side of the aisle you believe it's it's good or bad in the league. Who cares? When a toe hits leather on 7 o'clock Saturday night, it's whoever the eight men on the field are for each team or the 16 men on the field on each team and who wins. It all comes out. And it goes for Fayetteville. And this, they have the most experienced team, the most experienced coach, most experienced quarterbacks. Because they do, they got two quarterbacks that have more experience than Rolling Rivers. They really do. I mean, yeah, I I know I I dig on Summers not being the optimal choice, but he has played more QB than Rolling Rivers in this sport. And the Deuce Machine Maya, he's kicking deuces now, so that's a benefit. And now he's going to play in an arena where you don't have to worry about a jumbotron. Um, so <laughs> there, that's good. Uh, so there's a lot of things leading towards Fayetteville's way, Albany. It's still consistency. Can we have consistency? Can you improve? Can you get the Jacksonville loss out of your head? And can we have a team, you know, play a entire game, even with the owner, execute the game plan, be competitive, and probably win the game? I'll tell you one thing. This game has drawn a lot of social media buzz, not just from those talking about AB, but like, those wanting to follow the empire. Like I follow their Twitter account. They've had plenty of engagement mm-hmm. on Twitter as of late, Facebook, Instagram. I mean, do you realize Instagram, they have, they have over 55,000 followers on Instagram for that account. Now credit. A lot of that was from previous ownership too, but 55,000 people mm-hmm. like follow that account and they'll tweet stuff too. So it's getting traction yeah. for all things considered, but I think honestly, it's going to be probably closer than I expect. If Rakeem's in, that'll complicate things for Ben, for Ben Bennett, for Purcelli and company. But I do think you're going to see similar to what Manas said when he originally came back his second time and said, we're going to just basically be aggressive and hope we get enough opportunities to score. I think that's all you're going to hope for. You know, I think rivers will build off his second, his second stint. But I ain't expecting like it's gonna click in. Uh, it, that it's gonna click in like you're a top, top talented arena QB, you know. But it'll look better. Fabian Guerra being there will be better. Patton growing week over week, it'll be better. You know, they have young receivers. Two of them, you know, Rivers was working with that first contest he was in. And again, Guerra being there, Fabian Guerra, I'm. I, I'm so glad that he at least is a good talent that stay that is staying even with a young QB like that, because that'll do, that'll cure so many woes. You can throw a short route in the flat. He can get you another 15 yards down the turf. You know, you can throw it deep. He's a speedster. You can pick that off. You got a kickoff return. 
you know he's a damn good kick returner. He can bring that back. So that is a great weapon that they at least retained. Um, and then Justino being there still too, you know, they can get, they at least have a reliable kicker mm-hmm. on that side as well. So there's pieces, but you know, Jonathan Bain being gone, you know, some of the turmoil, um, consistent week. We'll see how this goes. Um, we'll chat about the pick on the other side, but I mean, um, you I mean, maybe we're hinting at something, maybe we're not, but watch that QB position for the start of the game for Fayetteville. That really will, I think, determine how the workflow of this game will go, just like Jim was mentioning to kick things off. Uh, let's dive in. Game number two, heading on over to the jungle. The West Texas Warbirds coming off a tough defensive affair. Really, really surprised a lot of people last week against the San Antonio Gunslingers. Uh, they get to start out with a brand new QB. Daniel Smith released this past week. So Mitch Kidd We'll be getting the start as they're heading over to Orlando, who are, were licking their wounds after a very tough loss heading to Carolina. They got an extra week off. We talked last time about Orlando, that, and you brought this up best, Jim, that it is a team that has a lot of talent but hadn't been around too long. They had a week off to work out the kinks with some practices. Damon Ware does know how to work with these talents because he was in Albany with a lot of them, along with Joseph Hess. Um, Hess gets a little time to sit away. Obviously, we'll have that bit of discussion. Although, as long as the injury isn't too severe, I would, uh, I would, inst- I would believe Hess would be still starting. But you know, otherwise, they'll work with whoever is more capable to start, and they'll have them both ready to go at least game wise. Um, how are you evaluating this? Because I mean, on paper, again, I do see the Preds overall as the more. I would say talent name wise on paper team, but there are pieces in West Texas that you go, Oh yeah, I like Savante Davenport. Um, Oh yeah. Trayvon shorts. He's been playing great Mitch kid. And again, I, I like Mitch kid because I saw what he did in the FCF. So they are moving away from Daniel Smith, but kid does have arena experience and some good and some decent one at that. Yes. The FCF's not exact arena per scale, but it's still 50 yards. It's still, gives principles of kind of escapability like we've been seeing in some QBs and he does have an arm. So they got pieces. It's just more about stuff that is trying to find what gels that, that uh project car mentality we were talking about in re- last rebound episode. How, how do you view, how do you view this? What, what is a key that you instantly gravitate towards? I, I think I know what it's going to be, but I, what is your key? The key to the game for me is what team can gel the quickest, in my opinion, because of the the additions of uh, both franchises. Uh, West Texas got a couple of guys from uh, Albany, Cornelius Lewis, who helped beef up that offensive line and D line. Okay, you got Schwartz again. Um, that's been lethal for West Texas. And, of course, you look at Albany. Um, no, excuse me, you got – Orlando, you have Brandon Cisse, uh, Nick Hag, Darius Prince, one of the best receivers in the game um, on that end. And their game up in Carolina a couple weeks ago, they showed signs that they can be lethal, but it was just they weren't gelling yet. No consistency. Hess was a little bit shaky a bit, but they started fixing things a little bit. But Carolina was just on the money in that game. You look at West Texas last week. They came. They had. They were a two-point conversion away of tying the game, and they were reduced away of tying the game. They had multiple times to tie the game last week, but mm-hmm. they showed signs of fighting. And one thing I like about West Texas is Jalen Childress. 
that wide receiver is uh, hands down the this year's Kali Rashad. Uh, how we know last year we didn't know who Kali Rashad was. That's Jalen Childress. He has showed out. Uh, Mitch Kidd, I think, well, that would be a guy that Mitch Kidd needs to throw the football to a lot. Very much so. Um, but with the additions that West Texas got from the Albany uh, tra- trades, uh, really beefs up their front five. Uh, you don't have guys move into different positions that they feel more natural in uh, compared to where they were before. Uh, and, and Coach Tate, it's getting this team. This West Texas team is getting better and better and better each week, and that's what you like to look at a coach. See, he in a team, a, not a real team. You can you can see how the team is represented by their coach and how their style is by his coaching. That's that's what Tate's been. Each and every week, they're getting better. They're finding ways to stay in close games. The same in football, you lose big early, then you lose small. Then you win small, then you win big. They're right now in that loose small area. They're going to eventually find their way. Uh, we had a couple of colleagues talk to us recently um, saying that West Texas reminds them of San Antonio from last year. Now, San Antonio earlier season was losing close games, a couple of losses, but they found a way to win one game randomly. Then each game after that, they started winning close ones, and they'll start winning big ones. So you can say that could be a little comparison from last year between West Texas. But West Texas is traveling to the jungle, a building that hasn't had a home game since week one, where 7,400 people were in that facility in week one. That place is going to be rocking. That place is going to be ecstatic. And then one good thing about home games, especially if you have a new roster and a completely new team, they usually have more momentum they gel more, they have more consistency, they feel looser. There's no pressure on them when they're in their own building. You'll see a different Orlando team this week than you did two weeks ago because they had a week and a half off. But they also, they're in Amway Arena. They're in their building, which is a big addition. Um, as, but, but also, can it help have that week off, get that extra week of preparation, extra practices, to get everything situated. So we have two teams right now currently, one and three in the standings, one and four in the standings. Uh, right now, as I mentioned earlier in the show, this is a pivotal game for potential playoff uh, implications between the two teams. But it'll tell the tape between these two teams. Uh, West Texas entered this game averaging 37.1 points a game, 416 yards of total offense, they're sixth in the league, and five. they have given up 522 yards per game. That's sixth in the league as well with a record 1-4. Orlando enters this game averaging 42.2 points a game. Um, yardage, uh, offensive yards per game, 484.8, which is third in the league, and they allow 515.5 yards per game, which is fifth. If you look at that, and they're 1-3, they're if you look at the standings right there, this is the fifth and sixth defense taking on the third def- offense and the sixth offense. So you look at West Texas; they're both towards the middle, and bottom of the pack in the uh, in the in the, in the offensive defensive um, yardage uh, rankings. And Orlando is third in the NAL right now, going to take on the sixth defense this week. So 
those numbers show a lot about what West Texas is right now, especially in the standings. There's six in the standings right now, too. Uh, so pretty average, pretty basic, really. I can't really judge them now because of all the new additions they had over the last two weeks. But a lot, if you look at a lot of West Texas's numbers, a lot of the numbers are from the first couple of weeks of the season, not the last couple, of, like last two weeks. So those numbers kind of are inflated from the first couple of weeks of the season. Same with Orlando as well. Their numbers are inflated because of the two games early in week one, one, two against Fayetteville and against the Albany Empire. When, ironically, that's when Albany had all of the guys who are currently with Jacksonville, San Antonio, and Orlando, and West Texas. So completely rammed. So those, those are currently what the standings or stats are for those two teams entering week eight in the pivotal matchup um, in Amway Arena. So far, as you can tell, too, uh, West Texas has had to rely on hoping, on not hoping, but, you know, keeping games close, keeping it, you know, I would say ugly affairs, making mm-hmm. sure it's low scoring because the offensive efficiency has not been there uh, whatsoever all year. And I think until they can establish at least a little bit more with Mitch Kidd or see what Mitch Kidd has on their plate, if they can establish a good protection scheme around him too, which is part of the reason why they brought Cornelius Lewis in in a trade this week is because though Kerry Starks is very much a dynamic defensive option, that is not the side they need help with right now. And they very much could use a guy like Cornelius Lewis, who's a veteran Iron Man, OLL, DL, that can be both a great, I would think, presence getting pressure on the quarterback and protecting the quarterback all at the same time. So they made a good move there. Also, Donovan Raspberry picking him up. That was kind of a kind of the undercard, if you will, of that trade. But it is one they need. They do need weapons. You know, that, that is something that they have been looking is who else can we throw to on a regular basis besides Jalen Childers after Pegram retired. And that might be the play. Raspberry is capable of doing that number two role if you mm-hmm. give him the reps to do so. Um, but, yeah, a lot of stuff on the horizon to kind of see what Warbirds team we're going to get. Because right now, um, I mean, it's mostly been low score affairs all season for them. Um, that 62-point put up against Carolina feels like a distant memory mm-hmm. at this time of year. It's, it's almost wild that they did put up 62 against Carolina. I've been shocked to think about that in recent weeks, but that's just how it is. Now that might change again, Mitch. I have a lot of, I have a lot of hype in Mitch, Mm -hmm. but you are going against if, uh, if we know Damon Ware and you know, Herky did do a great job getting these guys prepared for Jacksonville, you know, they have a bye week I am fairly certain they are not going to look the same against Carolina. Um, And as if it's Joseph Hess starting, I don't expect back-to-back poor performances. At least I don't think so. I didn't expect it against Carolina, but we did see it. And I fully don't expect it this time against West Texas, which should be a little bit more favorable for you to kind of settle in and get used to your weapons in a second game. Carolina, I'll admit, that was a tough go for a team that very much is on the up the up and comings, if you will. So I get that. This one should be a little easier to, to say the least. Not saying it's a win. I'm just saying that if you're Orlando and you're getting a home game and you're getting against West Texas, who's also figuring things out, you got to be happy that at least that your opponent 
is also trying to tinker at the same time as you. You just got to, like you talked about, hope they're gelling. You're gelling better when you walk into that building on Saturday night. Yes. That's, I think it's, I think is the key of how both teams can get their new additions into the full quick, quicker. Um, it does benefit when you're home, you don't have to travel. Uh, and my opinion is that this game is going to be one of those, oh, this should be a clearly a one-sided affair. This is going to be a one-possession game late in the fourth quarter where we'll be like flipping our YouTube over from one game to another this game to see who's going to win this game. Because I think the additions of Donovan Raspberry and the additions of Cornelius Lewis and the additions of uh, Dreyron Schwartz over the last couple of weeks for West Texas boosts their defensive capability um, tremendously to compete with a lethal offense that Orlando could potentially have um, with um, them. But also a key thing I always want to mention uh, to a team like Orlando uh, or a team like back in the day, Albany is Darius Prince is going to eat, diversify the portfolio a little bit because Carolina started real find it started to find that out a couple weeks ago. Oh, they're only throwing the Darius Prince. Let's shut down everyone else, and that's how they won the game. They let Darius Prince do his own thing. For Orlando to be successful in this game, let your receivers let Alani Outlaw go off, Clarence Williams go off, Rob Jones go off. Let someone else go off, Prince Shinola, whoever, with Darius Prince. That's one lethal offensive wide receiver group. Jesus. Um, but for yeah. West but what for West Texas? I know this sounds strange. I'm gonna compare it to a back in the day NFL when teams played against Peyton Manning. What do the opposing teams usually do? They ran the football and ate the clock. So Peyton Manning and that dynamic offense of the Colts was now on the field. West Texas. You need to do that going to Orlando. You need to slow this game down and run the clock and capitalize on each possession, but limit Orlando's possessions in that mm-hmm. offense. They do have that option. I mean, that's yes. that. I mean, sure. As we know, um, we've talked at full length that they've yes. got, they've got shorts. You know, I think that like I said, kid will probably get a few scrambles in uh, Trevante Coleman, who's been being used a little bit more as well in the run game. They used it extensively, at least in their previous matchup against San Antonio. So wouldn't put it past them if they'd try that again. But it's also going to come down to the flow of the game at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, West Texas, you're hoping that things start slow. You keep it slow. You keep it where it's balls in your court till the very end. You hope to get that last possession. Unless you are gelling really well after a week, which not 100% on that, but hey, who knows? Could be changing, could be changing. But um, I think a few question marks do make this game a little more fascinating on pay, uh, fascinating off the paper than some might believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but Warbirds do come off, I think, at least if you want to call it maybe a silver, maybe a moral victory, if at best last week. Orlando gets a week week off too, so we'll get mm-hmm. to see how they get off get off the mat and reset this week. Finally, game of the week for this week is going to be the Gunslingers hosting the Jacksonville Sharks. Of course, over in the Freeman Coliseum. Again, it's been over a month and a half since since those Gunslingers fans out there in San Antonio have had their team at home, and they finally get to celebrate, and they get to play against one of the best teams in the league. And uh, 
we got a little bit of a video to kind of hype you up for what is one of the marquee matchups so far at this point in the year. Take a look. Now you ready or not? Because I'm I'm certainly ready after watching that. I I'm geared up. This is uh, very much been on our on our list of top games for the season. All as we marked it down early on in the year, and again, it's second home game of the season for the Gunslingers. Long away to return back towards the end of this month. Fans are probably going to be pumping pumping in the action in there on Sunday. Uh, lots at stake too. It's it's the ideal kind of uh, send off to the week for two of the more elite teams in the NAL. Should be a blast. The words of Carrie Underwood: "Ooh, Sunday night." <laughs> or not, over yes. <laughs> not NBC, but yeah, uh, it is a marquee uh, game of the week between the two teams. This is a rematch from a week two matchup where the San Antonio Gunslingers beat the Jacksonville Sharks by miss extra point by a kicker that no longer plays for the Sharks, who plays for the Albany Empire. Um, Sharks upgraded with the kicker um, this week, so hopefully that is not the uh, reason this time around. Um, but it's a pivotal matchup between the two teams. These are, by the stats, ladies and gentlemen, the two most explosive teams in the National Arena League. Jacksonville averages 65.6 points a game, which is first in the NAL. Wild stat. <laughs> um, San Antonio averages 44.8 points a game, which is fourth in the NAL. Uh, Jacksonville averages 630 yards per uh, yards per game, first. Uh, San Antonio 489.6, which is second. Defenses points or yards allowed. Jacksonville is giving up 505.8 yards per game, which is fourth. With uh, San Antonio 455.8, which is third. San Antonio is five and zero. Jacksonville is three and two. Jacksonville is undefeated on the road, and the all uh, and the San Antonio Gunslingers are undefeated at home. One of these things has to break. The number one offense taking on the number two offense. Um, stat wise, uh, one team's undefeated on the road. The other team is undefeated at home. So it's intriguing. What a way. Yes, where's Carrie Underwood when you need her? Come on, this is Sunday Night Football. (laughs) 
Where? Come on, we need a. Uh, yeah, we need Chris Collinsworth. Can we get the guy that slides in before the game? So yeah, this is a this is a marquee <laughs> matchup. Uh, of course, the hype video I made. I kind of was. I announced it earlier about the hype video. I'm doing hype videos for selective game of the weeks that have already been predetermined. Um, so we don't really, you know, need to you know pump up. We already know some of them. We do have a Carolina one coming up pretty soon with San Antonio, possibly San Jacksonville, Carolina too. Um, but this is a pivotal. This is one of the games that we circled on the schedule that we knew was going to be pivotal onto uh, the season. Um, and it's going to live up to the matchup, I hope. We have some solid solid weapons. And the key thing, and though people want to ask, is like, when you look at the game, Jim, you, you, your knowledge is great in the arena game. Yeah. When you look at this game, what do you see? I see Kyler Rashad. I see Arvell Nelson. I see a Philip Barnett. I see yes. a, yeah, I I see Pierre Turner, Alexander, Cody Brooks, Robinson, Chisholm. Then I look on the other side. I see Tamorian Terry, Cam Solomon, Jensen Stoshak, Sam Castronova, Anthony Johnson, Marco Orozco. You look at those two teams, and I said in a rebound, and I said with a couple of friends that listened to our show. This is probably a National Arena League Championship game preview. Maybe there's maybe three matchups: Jacksonville, Carolina, Carolina, San Antonio, Jacksonville. Those three teams, I think, all circle around. Maybe Orlando pops in. Maybe Fayetteville. But as of Week Eight, this is a NAL Championship game preview. I think, in my opinion, uh, one team's offense is lethal. The other team knows how to win close games. So. One has to break this weekend, and it's going to be entertaining. There's a lot of things we can break down in this game, but the star power, I don't care what happens else in the league. This The big-time stars in this league are playing in the Freeman this weekend, and pivotal game for both these teams. A win by Jacksonville by more than one point. They have the tiebreaker over, over San Antonio. San Antonio wins. They have the clear sweep over the Sharks and the tiebreaker over the Sharks. So it's a big-time matchup in the Freeman. Um, four, o'clock East, uh, 4 o'clock Eastern, I think, is the kickoff. Maybe wrong, or 5 o'clock Eastern. Um, there's a time change. Sorry. Um, I think That's it's all good. Re- rechecking that for you, <laughs> for you just o'clock. to be safe, Wait. as we always do. Uh, it is, it is without a doubt, it is 8. Wait a minute. No. Uh, of eight. course, I did the... I did this wrong. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. Hang on, hang on. Yeah, 4 o'clock Eastern time, 3 o'clock Central in San Antonio. Okay. So, sorry for the little delay. Uh, I should have been more prepared for that. But uh, it's technically Sunday night, but the sun was still up. But still, um, it's Military Appreciation Day in uh, the Freeman. I think they have a ticket uh, deal going on, two for one. So, go yes. to San Antonio uh, gunslingers.com get your tickets two for one pack that building yes people know that i'm a sharks fan but i love seeing packed buildings jacksonville last week was packed i know it can happen in san antonio this is a marquee matchup that needs as many butts and seats as possible because uh, we will have a friendly voice on the color on on the game uh, so we can't really you know dig at him because we're really good colleagues um but 
if you can't make the game, watch the YouTube stream. Um, Ralph Jenkins, uh, Junkins, excuse me, will be doing the play-by-play for the San Antonio Gunslingers in that game. So it's a big-time matchup. All eyes will be on San Antonio Sunday in a crucial game. Uh, I even got a message from one of our um, uh, listeners. Uh, if you had to set it over-under in this game, an over-under in this game. Oh, man. What will you set it at? And my number might shock people. At the same time, I think it could be way over this number. But, eh. Oh, what do you, what do you got? I'm curious. What do you got? I, I'll, I'll throw a number. 135 and a half. Ooh. Okay. I think that's not too bad. I was going to go with... I'm going to go with 120 and a half. No. So, I was wrong. I'm about a pos- two possessions more than you. So. Yeah. Cuz maybe I think I'm being more, I feel like I'm being modest, I, although part of it's me rating this is kind of betting on me seeing San Antonio pick up a little bit of steam cuz mm-hmm. that's that's my only worrying point. I'm glad by the way that the league did lift the suspension on Philip Barnett cuz there were some folks that did point out some good points about that suspension. Yeah. Um and it's glad that we get to see best on best uh, play at full strength. Um, That being said, you know, last two, last two uh, appearances by this gunslingers offense. I, I got some questions. That's the thing. I I really need to see a bit of a turnaround because this is a shark squad that, you know, last year with Arvell was on a tear. Didn't have a defensive presence whatsoever, or at least it was, it didn't show up for many games this year. It's a different story. You, you got to play, you got to play pound for pound, you know, and our, if you are Arvell Nelson, Phil Barnett, Cleaver Shad, you know, if you're on that other side, you know, Pierre Turner, you gotta, you gotta play your, your, your a plus plus game for this one, because defensively, I, I imagine the gunslingers defense is going to be a tougher out of course than what Albany showed up last week with that setup, but this is a team putting up 60 a game right now. It doesn't matter what defense you trot out there. They are putting up 60 a game. You have to put on your best offensive performance of the season. And it, it's got to come on Sunday because you know, you, you slip up, you know, if Arvell throws to me, if Arvell throws that expected one pick a game that we all know usually comes because he is a gunslinger pun intended, uh, that can be devastating. You know, if especially if Sam Castronova is on, which, you know, Sam does, it, Sam can be prone to throwing a turnover once in a while, but he's usually a lot more. To me, he he comes off a bit more careful with the ball, and he's a lot more options to go at you that are harder to defend overall. It's going to be a tough one for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they got to bring their A game. That's that's why I'm that's why I'm a little pushing lower on if I were doing yeah. betting odds. I, well, I, I need the gunslingers to show up. Is all. Well. I, Usually the the great stories of the past, David versus Goliath. This is David, or this is Goliath versus Goliath right now. These are two powerhouses. This is the blue blood Jacksonville Sharks taking on the unbeaten San Antonio Gunslingers. The Sharks are notoriously known to be in these type of games because that's the for franchise history. Jack, oh, San Antonio is learning to be in these type of games. They've been getting everyone's A-plus game all season long. Because they're undefeated. Once you start, when's that 
that first digit gets more than that second digit and it continues to increase, that target on your back gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So you start with seven targets and now it's just that singular one, which is mm. San Antonio. Uh, last week's game, I watched it and watched it with a friend. And you can tell in the game that Arvell wasn't playing his A-plus game. He did throw an interception early. But San Antonio relied on their defense. Their defense is what really, you know, you know, established the pace of play in that game. It didn't. Well, there was other outside factors, but their defense did enough. Daniel Smith, as much I like him as he's a solid quarterback, he's no Castronova. Sam Castronova came into Jacksonville last week. This first game last week as a shark. Look like he's been playing here for five years. Like mm-hmm. there was no miscommunication with any of the receivers. He was on the money with the receivers. And the offense looked more, for me, with even with Calvin Blount, um, the offense in Jacksonville looked more fluid, looked more like in motion, like they weren't stumbling on each other. Everything was, you know, going as planned. Maybe that's because Albany had other situations happen in the background. But there is – you saw Jacksonville perform at his best of his ability and his peaks. You can say it's peak performance, the best game they played all year. One thing is Jacksonville is undefeated on the road, and both road games weren't really competitive. Jacksonville took care of the first half and won. And the reason why is that is the front five. Jacksonville has dominated different lines of scrimmages all year long. And I did talk with a couple of individuals about San Antonio over the last couple of weeks about – Jacksonville success against this season, even though the record doesn't show that this team is better than the record. Jacksonville's front five with David Gilbert, uh, Renfro, uh, Jacobs, uh, Hollyness, uh, Anthony Johnson, Munoz, they have a five-man rotation that's honestly 1A in the league. You can put someone at 1B. Uh, they know how to control the line scrimmage. In every game I've watched so far, they did, have not lost a game where they lost a line scrimmage battle. San Antonio won the first game between these two teams, but Jacksonville won the line scrimmage battle. They were Arvell was making some ridiculous throws. He wasn't having time, and same as the other way, Connor Blount was having plenty of time. But J- San Antonio was making the plays. Other teams with that same pressure weren't doing that this year against Jacksonville. Same in Orlando, kind of found the game plan and executed the game plan. There was something that happened in that game, but overall. This game, again, comes down to the front five. Comes down to Cody Brooks. Comes down to Justin Alexander. It comes down to the beef, Angus, the beef in the front five. If Jacksonville is having their way in the front five like they did against Albany, and they did against Fayetteville, or they did against uh, West Texas, that one point win won't happen. It'll be a 20 point, point some victory by Jacksonville. Jacksonville will run away with this game. And one thing I did find in the stats Jacksonville was plus five in the turnover ratio, and they're plus 42 points in turnovers from off of turnovers. That's number one in the league. They, when they get turnovers, they score. So for Arvell in this game, this is why I'm crucial. Arvell, we've seen Arvell play perfect games. And when he does, he's MVP caliber type of quarterback in this league. If he if he messes up and throws a pick and gets 
that well, we we bash. We it's like Arvell single pick. It gets every year, every game. If that happens in this game, they need to have a San Antonio needs to have a defensive stop right after because if Jacksonville capitalizes on that score, that helps them even better and puts their um, overall points against against turnovers. Again, best in the league. You can't turn the ball over against Jacksonville. Like you mentioned, like last year, Zach. Jacksonville last year, you had to outscore them because you weren't going to stop them. Problem is, they weren't going to stop anybody because their defense was as a, wasn't any any right. good last year. Right. Their whole strategy is just we outrun you. Yes. You know, you need to make a mistake. We'll keep this on year, scoring. You know, in every single game besides two, they had close losses, and those two close losses, they had the advantage at one point in that game, and they. They failed to capitalize, and the other teams did. San Antonio came back from twice, from 14 points down twice in the game. And Orlando was down by 13 and came back and won. So there are chances to beat Jacksonville. But if Jacksonville gets out of the gate and out running out of the gate like they get to Albany, and they get one stop, defensive stop, or maybe two defensive stops, that could be game over. That's how Jacksonville offense is. But also, at the same time, Jacksonville has a defense that's it could be at times very, I, how can I say it, shut down-ish. And mm-hmm. there's sometimes it's leaky. It was leaky against Orlando and it's, and leaky against San Antonio in, the, in week two because Arvell was just throwing it deep behind Marvin Ross with Kyle Rashad was back there. That could still happen in this game. But my opinion comes down to Arvell Nelson. The last two weeks, San Antonio, even though they've won games, has not looked good winning at games, but they have won games. Jacksonville's had two weeks off, came back, dominated Albany, and from the the people I've talked to and the players I've talked to, they, they're not overlooking. They've had they basically have had San Antonio on the calendar since they've lost since the first time they met. So Jacksonville's looking forward to this matchup. I'm That's sure why I love how this game is going to be such an exciting game to watch because these are, in my opinion, the two top tier teams in the league. And I think we're going to have a showdown in Texas and a game that really exposes the arena game to its best of ability with two premier organizations fighting it out in the game of arena football. But yes, it's going to be a crucial game. It comes down to what team, in my opinion, makes the first mistake. And that could Sounds be just way. enough for that team to win the game. Because he's had two putting offices that can go off any game, any game, any year, whatever. You know what I mean? That sounds <laughs> right. I mean, look, the Gunslingers. You know, not to take away. I mean, two of their wins earlier in this season, and this is against an Albany team that wasn't stripped to the bone previously. It, yeah, impressive win, Albany. Came, you know, came back two scores behind two weeks in a row, and took said, okay, now we're playing on our schedule again. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, that that team still exists. It's just that. I want to see that team come back because Fayetteville, I mean, again, props to Fayetteville. Honestly, you get a cleaner, cleaner, I would say performance participation drives, you know, holding them to 40 was a pretty good feat. And it was within striking distance the entire time. Mm-hmm. West Texas, same deal, you know, and credit it was a slowed down game from people had said, but you know, they made Arville Nelson and company have to really fight for every yard. So this is where I'm, where you and I are just sitting here and going, do we see that? Because it's going to have to be that way. Mm-hmm. It's just it's that simple. Um, and with that, I think what? it's about time. Yeah. Uh, do 
recap what you just said. I can hear the San Antonio fans are We already beat Sam Castronova when he was with Albany. Right. You can already hear them say, we've already beat Markel Quaid. We already did that. But the previous two games I've seen San Antonio play, they've had two possessions where they could have blown the games away and they failed to capitalize. You do that against the Jacksonville Sharks team, you're bringing them back into the game. Well, and this, keep in mind, this is a different Sharks team even than their last time they faced oh, yeah. off. You know, And that's not to take away from Connor Blount, but you have Sam who is coming in and is clearly he's got the game on lock now. Yeah. Um, he's got even more receiving talent, you know, in Terry, in Terry, along with Stoshak and Solomon over there, Markel Wade is a great, is a solid Ironman two-way player that is on that team that can, that can make great havoc on both sides. You know, they've got that imposing front five that still is there from last game too. And San Antonio has got a great line in their own right. So that's going to be one of the best battles of the weekend is seeing how those front threes face off against each other back and forth. But that's the deal. This isn't exactly the same matchup. There's more weapons for Jacksonville to go after your secondary with. San Antonio hasn't really changed, but credit, they haven't needed to. They're 5-0. and oh. You know, yeah. honestly, if, I mean, I wouldn't do it either. But that doesn't mean we haven't seen the same team we saw in weeks one and two because I, I can't say that's the same – same performances or same it doesn't look like the same squad that's what i'm saying i'm open to see that same squad appear against jacksonville when the moment is most needed but it is definitely a storyline one of the greatest comments i've ever not greatest comments but one of the top comments i've heard about teams people covering eating sports winning cures a lot of issues sometimes winning is just a band-aid over a lot of issues is winning right now for San Antonio what's curing the issues, or it's just covering up a wound that once the L start approaching, that wound starts to get to expose. Right. That's the that's a unique question that or observation or question that I will like want to see answered in this game. J- San Antonio can come in this game and blow the doors out of Jacksonville and be like, you know what? They just need to be home. They they finally got home five and zero and they're six and zero. You go six and zero. Wow, that's that's a great start. Tip of the hat, GG. Shake your hands and you know see you in a couple of weeks if there's a match in a couple of the weeks. Um, but yes, it, it's pivotal matchup. But I for San Antonio in the last two weeks, you had the the Robinson slip in the end zone that could have blew the game open against West Texas, and then Fayetteville gave you multiple chimes to blow them out early, like in that game and. Fayetteville stayed competitive into the second half, late in the second half. Those right there are concerning to me, even though those are wins. Trust me, I'd rather be 5-0 right now than 3-2, and 1-3, 1-4, 0-5. 5-0 is great. When you're winning, it covers up a lot of wounds. Question is, is there a wound about to be breached in San Antonio? That might be answered this weekend. Possibly not. It could be next weekend. But they're 5-0. And if I was San Antonio, I'm smoking that cigar because I'm on top of the mountain and people have to come after us because we're up there because we took care of business for the first five weeks of this, or seven weeks of the season. That's why we're 5-0. and Now people are chasing them, and it starts this week, week eight, in Freeman against the Jacksonville Sharks. And away we go. Time for some pickums here. You've been waiting for it. We've just explained, of course, our sides, our thoughts, our opinions. 
and of course every angle you need to imagine to see how these contests will turn out and we're going to give you the rundown on where we feel it's going to land as you can tell both of us actually ended up last week completely perfect record of three and oh for both uh both of us 11 and six so uh could be a decisive week or could be not now credit we did pick all the same teams last week and basically said we're going up or we're going down together so we'll find out again did, did we really decide to be twinsies two weeks in a row let's find out i'll kick things off first and get started uh west texas going to the jungle at orlando in orlando at amway center against the predators over there that's going to be one of two saturday contests that evening again west texas got a few different adjustments that they've brought in this week big trade for cornelius lewis and donovan raspberry coming their way had to give up Kerry starks but solidifies a line that's been kind of problematic this year you've got a new quarterback in mitch kidd that's going to be starting this week you got of course Don Raspberry, along with Jalen Childress, you're going to be throwing to. Childress, of course, has been one of the best bright spots for that roster. And you get more time with Savante Davenport and Trayvon Shorts to anchor down the defense. And now Lewis gets to work with his former teammate in Trayvon Shorts. How do I think this pan, pans out? Because the Preds, to me, are the more talented roster. We, we, we can go all day about the talent, talent here in terms of, say, a Darius Prince. Lonnie Outlaw came off suspension this week, and he'll be back. You know, we've got Brandon Fuentes, we've got Josh Jenkins, and we've got Delvin Randall on the defensive side side of this. Offensively, you can keep on going. Clarence Williams is over there too. The list goes on and on of ways that if you can just get, get a ball to these guys, they can burn you. You know, even Desmond Maxwell in the backfield, you know, as well. We can talk about Freddie Booth Lloyd on the defensive line. I can keep going. They have a very talented squad. The QB position is still the question mark right now if they can get things in order, if Joseph Hess is playing this week, or if it's going to be Jeffrey Legree. I think either case, I think the Preds walk away. I just find this team, I find it with an extra week. <laughs> that was a flash frame. I'm sorry. <laughs> the flash frame of him being like, oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> just looking at me. Um, the extra week of preparation for Damon Ware's offense, uh, coupled with the fact that you know, you get some time to heal up, you know, they're not going to go into a second straight game with kind of a lame duck approach at once more. I, I don't think, I don't think you see guys like Prince Cissé and company do that. I, I don't see it. You're going to, I see them come out. They're going home to the jungle. It's been a month and a half. These guys, even though they're newer, they get to go to a home environment that is a rowdy crowd out in the jungle. And I think they get a win. West Texas will put up, I think a decent fight. But it's not going to be enough. There's still, it's still a project car out there in Odessa, but it's getting closer to being a solid looking drive, drivable car. That's what I'm going to, and that's maybe it comes off an insult. I don't know, but I, they are progressing in the right direction. Give me Orlando though. I, I it's more talented roster. I got to go with the talented roster here. I think this is going to be one of the most competitive games of the week. Uh, I think it's the team who starts gelling the fastest will prevail. Um, Orlando's been together now for a week and a half with their new squad in Fayetteville's couple of days. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Who's going to gel quicker? The team that's been together for a couple of days or a team that's been in for a week and a half? I'm taking the the Predators at home in the jungle because of that. I just think the, they've already had 14 days of practice compared to three days of practice for the guys in West Texas. West Texas keeps us close. Dylan Barnos will hit a couple of deuces in the Amway 
uh, Marina and the Orlando Predators win this game. I think it's close. I think Orlando pulls away, but it's close. I say six points by the Predators in Orlando. That's something we didn't even mention, by the way, was it's a kind of a unique kicking battle. Justin Lair taking on Dylan Barnas, you know, still two vi- two viable kicking options that are capable of hitting deuces uh, on a frequent matter when they get hot. So Barnas did it last game, by the way, against Carolina. So we should fully expect at least one of these kickers to get one all the way down range for mm-hmm. two. Uh, moving on, second Saturday game, and the one that, again, I think uh, a lot of it hinges in terms of what game you're getting based on who Fayetteville starts under center. We, Again, I, that wasn't on our bingo card last week. We really thought it was going to be Rakeem Cato, but then James Summers stepped out and played. Now you get another week. Summers has already played. Cato looked healthy, and I imagine he's healthier after a week again. Um, the Mustangs go to the, go to the Capital Region, a team that once again, new face at head coach, new quarterback, although really revisiting quarterback, but you have a quarterback that's stepping in once again, that's new under center after having Jonathan Bain being released this week. Um, however, that being said, you do get, the, you are fortunate to have most of your core, pretty much the rest of your core roster intact. Kerry Starks is going to be playing in this game, uh, should help a lot defensively uh, for some of the items they need in Albany. But is that going to be enough given whichever quarterback plays in Fayetteville I'm gonna say no and I think that it's gonna be that Roland Rivers is gonna need some adjustment uh defensively there are still a few I I, I think there are a few games away from getting everything tuned in defensively they're gonna be aggressive but I gotta take the Mustangs here uh in this option uh I I, Summers I think is capable of getting a win here Uh, I I see him as much like a Daniel Smith uh kind of utility utility like de facto quarterback where he can step in, he can be efficient enough to guide you to a win. Um, if Cato's in, I think it's a. Def- I think to me they do win by a few possessions because he is that good, and this is the talent level that Fayetteville all year has been able to take care of business of when it comes to the schedule. So, give me the Mustangs. On paper, they should be more talented. If it's the right quarterback in, they should have the entire package to walk away with a win and get back to five hundred. We lost. I'm not supposed to lose. Let me see the script. Oh, the, <laughs> oh, the script is good. The script is fine. I wonder why. Nothing happened in Albany this weekend, is there? No, 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 uh, not at all. Uh, the script. <laughs> AB plays under six plays, but unfortunately, no matter if he plays or not plays, if he owns the team, if he doesn't own the team, Fayetteville's the better team. No matter who starts a quarterback between the Mustangs or Cato or Summers, Fayetteville is the better team, and Fayetteville wins this game. And I don't even think this game is going to be close. I think Fayetteville Ooh. rolls in this game and gets their first, if, well, I can't say first, gets their second road victory of the season. Mm-hmm. No third, they'll be under. Say, they, they've, they're world they'll, warriors. They haven't even got a single at home. Yeah, they'll be undefeated. Um, now they'll get back to three and three and stay atop as the lords of the muck for the week eight finale. Yes. Ah, uh, yes. Finally, game of the week. We are two for two. You and I. Do we have a split? Now this one, I think. You know, I was. Th- I'm thinking there could be a split here. That's all I'm going to say. But. What am I looking at? Again, Jacksonville traveling out to San Antonio, 
going to the Freeman Coliseum. It's been over a month and a half as well, similar to the Preds. Should be a good attendance there, similar to the Preds this weekend, um, in terms of just rowdy crowd ready to get back out and support their team. They've been doing a great job getting uh, tailgate, basically doing meet and greet events and doing those live streaming events, watching the Gunslingers. I cannot wait to see them back in Freeman with that rowdy SA fan base. Thing is, do I think I see the same Gunslinger squad come in and take on this Carol, this Jacksonville squad, similar to how they played them earlier in the season? And my issue comes down to the fact that the Sharks have added a lot of upgrades across the board in recent weeks. I mean, Marco Rosco alone, you you locked down arguably the best. NAL kicker that's played this year. And the man has been gone for several weeks in Canada and he's coming back and he's going to play in Freeman. Yeah. It's a little bit lower scoreboard, but trust me, he's good enough. He's going to cause damage. He can get back to the boards. You're going to have to be focused on returns. I am going to go with the sharks, even as the road team, I have had some doubts about some of the efficiency of the gunslingers this past two weeks. I just like where Jacksonville's heading. This is this is not the exact same team as the beginning of the year. And this offense, very explosive. Its defense can match that intensity on the opposite side this season. I do think this will be a challenge for San Antonio. I think it'll be close. However, I am also expecting the gunslingers that I saw weeks one and two, to sh- or weeks really two and three, to show up. That's the version you need to beat the beat Jacksonville, but I don't think it happens. I, I think I do think that Sam Castronova, along with the fact that you have this plethora of star talent, I think it does overwhelm the Gunslingers and they take their first loss this season. Sometimes losses come, and sometimes you win. In this game. I think it's going to be one of the marquee matchups we look back at the end of the year as, oh, this is top five game, probably top three game. I expect a high-scoring affair. I think these two teams, they touched the 60s before. I think they can touch the 60s again this game. Unfortunately, the concern for San Antonio, in my opinion, is the health of their kicker, Drew Pearson. He is injured. Uh, I did get reports that he did have a concussion. So if he's not 100%, you're going to have a, a, there's a chance where Jacksonville can steal a possession on you just by kicking deuces. And that could end up being the determining factor. Both these teams will get, in my opinion, 60s, 65, 62. It's going to come down to, again, good old San Antonio fashion, last possession, I think San Antonio will have the ball this time like they did last time. This game won't go into overtime. They will have the ball. They will have a game-winning drive with Arvell Nelson leading the way to the 25-yard, 30-yard, whatever. He, can, he will lead the way for the San Antonio, or San Antonio gunslingers in this game. But this time, he doesn't get the touchdown. He throws his pick that he avoids his singular pick of the game will be on the last possession and the sharks defeat san antonio gunslingers i'm gonna say 65 62 well well we are uh 
We are certainly getting into a bit of a pattern here. Mm -hmm. We're twinsies. We're twinsies. Again? Yay. Although that really does mean if we mess up this Sharks pick that, I mean, God God bless our Gunslingers fans, but they will they will be in ripping us in multiple areas next week. Um, I think I'll be so. getting a lot of the, uh, a lot of them messaging me right now on the, on discord and our Twitter. Like, really? You think that's going to happen? Um, but it's, again, it's, I think this is the marquee matchup. I, for me, what's holding me back from picking San Antonio is the last two weeks. Jacksonville, ever since their new additions and from last week's performance, they look like this is a new team. I, I, I've seen, I've been in that arena multiple times in Jacksonville and never been in such a loud building before. Um, that building was crazy. And I think yeah. the additions of Wade, Tamora and Terry, Sam Castronova, and then Roscoe, Jacksonville has a championship caliber team. And if the Albany's game was just a preview of what this team can be on its best game and they didn't play their best game they can be scary in san antonio we've seen it it's and for san antonio it's very hard to go undefeated in the season you will have slip-ups and i think this is just the second matchup of three between these two teams and again i think it's coming down to a a slugfest i think it comes down to the last drive and i think jackson pulls away with the victory and if you notice how i did the points in my prediction they won by three, so they won the point differential, <laughs> point two, uh, plus two. But I think it's going to be a good game. And honestly, to the San Antonio team and the players and the coaches, it's, they have a damn good team. They might go eleven to one, and their one loss is Jacksonville. They they're that type of team. They're very they're pretty good. But honestly, there's a saying that goes, "You rather lose now than later." Get that loss out of the way get reorganized because you don't want to go into a postseason undefeated because that that's pressure. Um, but overall, I think it's going to be an exciting game. And we're going to see two of the best quarterbacks in the league play each other, two of the best receivers play each other. And we have two rising stars on both teams, with Kadir Chisholm and Tamori and Terry. So we have that there. And, of course, you got the big boys down in the middle, David Gilbert, uh, Shakai Holiness, Justin Riffro, Justin Alexander, Derek, um, Cody Brooks. There's so many big names in this game. This is what the arena football is all about with the two marquee teams in the league showing them their skills on their own day. They're the only game where all eyes of the NAL community should be on, and that's in Freeman. And I honestly, as a Sharks fan, I'm picking the Sharks this time, but – it's hard. I'm like, I hate not picking San Antonio because they're such a damn good team. Um, that's what's hard about this pick. Um, but I think we're going to have a great weekend. Going to have some drama up in Albany with AB. See if anything gets exciting there. See if Fayetteville capitalizes. We have a yes. pivotal battle for the Lords of the Muck between uh, West Texas and Orlando. And we got the showdown in Texas between the Sharks and San Antonio Gunslingers. I think it's going to be an excellent weekend in National Arena League football. Follow our Discord, ladies and gentlemen. Um, me and Zach will definitely be on that Discord chat uh, for the uh, most anticipated game of the weekend up in Albany. Um, but, again, join uh, easy, uh, easy Community. Um, again, we don't stand for BS. You will be banned instantly. 
Um, but come join. We're, we're a pretty good group of guys and fans or ladies. Um, just love the game. Um, great week. Week eight's coming up. And for the fans on the YouTube stream, we're going to be ending it here soon. Don't worry. But, yeah. Um, 11 to 6. About that. We're 11 to 6 and pick them. Yeah. We were 8 and 6 at one. Uh, I think when I was below 500. I think I was 4 and 6 at one point. So, I'm on a pretty good streak here, sir. Yeah, you're doing good. So, I was say, you're doing pretty good. But um, also in our yeah. NA, Inside the Walls NAL Pick'em, Philip from Smoking Guns Podcast leads the pack. He is 12 and 5, and there's like nine guys tied for 11 and 6, which is pretty competitive for our pull in our Pick'em. If you want to be in the Pick'em, ladies and gentlemen, join. Just let us know. It's in our Discord. Uh, put your picks in. You join. Uh, maybe a little too late for you to uh, compete for anything. Um, but yeah. – or. But, but we, you we, still we, still should be fun. I mean, it should be fun. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'm good, dude. Week eight, mm-hmm. let's go. Week eight. Yes. <laughs> I think that about covers it. Um, by the way, as a reminder, details on Inside the Walls Pod on in on IWBP Plus. We're gonna call it that just mm-hmm. to make it shorter. Um, we'll have that out sooner rather than later here coming up. So stay tuned to that. Uh, next week, I think, right? You're gonna be dropping. Some details. Just trying to uh, figure out a couple of things, um, but we're again, we're again starting to separate what tier should be what and get some names. So it'd be remember all the content that will be on pay, on our, our uh, in Walls Pod Plus will be available on YouTube. It you're not getting you're not going to get away from the content. You'll still see it. Uh, it's just in Walls Pod Plus would be early access and a little bit more exactly a little bit not more required uh, it's no, just it's something required, we're no. bringing up so no it's not required yeah. but a little perks but yes mm-hmm. just for perks coming soon so, call, call it the super fan <laughs> section if you like trust um, me we have some you, or or <laughs> the very friendly fan if you want to call it too we can put it that way as well yeah. um but yeah we'll have details about that coming up next week follow us on social again at in walls pod we'll be dropping especially those items on there on our social pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and stay tuned, of course, to this channel here on Inside the Walls on your favorite podcast platform, or of course on YouTube, clicking that subscribe button, click that bell, gets your reminders, builds morale, as we say. And uh, yeah, catch you on the next one here. Uh, next NAL rebound for week eight coming uh, early next week, earlier than this week. We should have it earlier come this time it might unless b- bearing any news that we have to hit pause and collect stuff on yeah we will drop it early trust me guys it will come out in during the week we always we will always tell you if an episode doesn't drop but until then we'll see we'll see you on the flip enjoy this weekend's games we'll be chatting it up of course on our discord about it jump on and link in the description um and yeah till next time everybody see you on see you on Tuesday. 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 <laughs> See you on Tuesday.
covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier.